You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks, welcome to episode 116 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchot, and this is the show for May 2023. It's a solo show this month, and I've decided I'm going to share my thoughts on photographing flowers for the very simple reason that it is very, very much spring slash early summer here in the Northern Hemisphere, and I've found myself sharing a lot of photos of flowers on social media. And at this stage, I'm basically a iPhone photographer. So I thought it might be worth sharing my thoughts on getting the best photographs of flowers with a smartphone. Um, I don't think this is the only way to get good results with a smartphone or even the best way. I can just tell you that if you like what you see on my social media, this is how I do it. Um, for some context, I shoot all of my photography with an iPhone 14 Pro, which has two main advantages, I think. The first being that 3x hardware zoom, um, and the second being the extremely good image processing pipeline that Apple adds into their phones. But really, the ideas I'm going to share today don't fully, yeah, most of them don't depend at all on those two features. And even those that do, different phones from different manufacturers will be able to do similar things to some extent, at the very least. So, before I share my thoughts on how to get better results, I actually start in a very Nocilla Castaway sort of way. Um, so, on her show, the Nocilla Cast, Alison always says, you know, what's the problem to be solved? So let's start there. What is it that I think is difficult about flowers? And again, others may find different things difficult, but what strikes me is that, it, particularly with the smartphone, um, if you have, a, you know, a, as, as again, as Alison say, a big girl camera, then subject isolation and stuff is a lot easier because you tend to find it easier to control your depth of field and stuff with a traditional camera. But with a smartphone, that's not really possible. So distractions can be very difficult to control on a phone. You, you know, you with your eye will see a beautiful flower, but when you just take a snapshot with your phone, the chances of the flower being what catches your viewer's eye are small because the ch- much more of a chance that there is something distracting in the background. And, you know, basically to get a clean shot of a flower with a smartphone takes concerted effort and so removing distractions is definitely one of the big challenges another thing i just find challenging actually and this applies every bit as much to when you're shooting with a traditional camera or with a smartphone is the fact that a lot of nature a lot of the beauty of flowers happens at multiple scales at once so on the one hand you may have a beautiful flower sitting atop of a plant but actually the reason the flower catches your eye when you're out and about is because of the whole thing, not just the flower head, but the fact that the plant may be an interesting shape or the plant may have interesting leaves or the whole thing may be set in an interesting surrounding or maybe part of a giant big, you know, maybe like 
buttercups or bluebells or wild garlic are examples of this, that the individual flowers are grand. I mean, you know, they're nice. But what makes them so eye-catching, so amazing, is that they don't come in ones, they come in millions. And to capture that sense is very difficult. And that overlaps a bit then with the second point, where context can be everything. So having, you know, multiple scales at once is a form of context, you could argue, but sometimes a flower is just interesting because of where it is. And if you actually want to capture the feel of it, you need to capture a sense of the place, whatever that place may be. I mean, some some of the flowers that really catch my eye are tiny little things. And if you just get really close and take a macro shot, the fact that it is actually this teeny tiny little island of beauty hiding away in the middle of suburbia is completely lost on the viewer because they just see your photograph. If you have very successfully managed to deal with the scale problem, well, you now have an image that doesn't actually give you the context of, and this is a teeny tiny thing. So you actually often have to do a lot of work to get the context back so that when the viewer looks at your photograph, they're getting the full feel of why you wanted to take the shot in the first place. You know, what was it? I guess, zooming back, something about the flower made you want to capture it, made you whip out your phone and point it at the flower. So what is it? And then the question becomes, how do I capture that? Because ultimately, that's what you need to do. You need to capture whatever it is about the flower that made you take your phone out I'd take his picture. So I'm going to look at some of my thoughts on dealing with all three of those problems as I see them. And we just take them in order. Um, and I think reducing distractions is the one I'm going to focus on the most because really that is the most important thing. Um, it's when we collapse our 3D world into a 2D photograph, we have to work really hard to remove distractions because in the 3d world our brains can filter out stuff that is away that is behind but when it's all flattened onto a screen our brain has to do all of that interpretation and it's much more difficult so that lack of depth perception is why distractions are so difficult in photography and we really do have to work hard on it so my first tip is probably if you take nothing else out of this entire show i would ask you to please consider this but when i post a picture of a flower it's usually the result of me spending a lot of time perhaps days right i tend to go out for a walk twice a day every day and i will see that a particular flower is in bloom and i'll think oh i must try get a nice picture of a buttercup or whatever it is but i won't just take a picture of the first buttercup that passed me by i am constantly and continuously on the lookout for what I call a hero flower. Basically, you're looking for one unblemished, unless what you're trying to capture is the dying of the flower and the replacing by seed or whatever, but one flower in the state you wish to capture that is alone. So whether that be that it's a little bit taller than everyone else so that you can get a bit of distance between it and the background, or whether it be that it's sticking out further, or whether it be that it has a particularly clean background behind it, you're you're looking for the one perfect exemplar to 
to be able to give you the depth of field so that you can blur away the distractions in the background. So I, I spent a lot of time looking for a hero flower, as I call them. And once you have the hero flower, then you can just use the standard techniques to blur the background and get away with it that way. And that is a very, very powerful technique. So a lot of the time it isn't really about using the camera, but finding the right subject. So, you know, the preparation of a photograph often does a lot more of the work than the actual photograph itself. And so this tip will work with absolutely any camera because it's not about the camera. It's about finding the perfect subject to represent the entire species. Um, My next piece of advice then is perhaps counterintuitive, but the iPhone and I believe uh, at some high-end Android phone phones are the same, have a macro feature where when you get really close to the subject, the phone detects, oh, I'm trying to focus in really close, and it switches to a different lens, <laughs> and it maximizes the depth of field, because normally when you're in macro mode, when, when you're trying to shoot something very close, your enemy is a spectacularly shallow depth of field, and that your, fo- your, your focusing distance may not be able to get close enough to get what you want. So a macro lens will allow you to focus closer than you normally could, and it will actually give you a deeper depth of field than you would normally get. Now, depth of field is... One of the factors in depth of field is how close you are to the subject. So bringing a lens in really close will shrink the depth of field. So when I say that, you know, one of the things a macro lens does is give you more depth of field we're grading on a curve here because if you didn't have a macro lens, you'd basically have a millimeter or so of depth of field. Like you would just have unbelievably shallow depth of field. And with a macro lens, you just have a shallow depth of field. Now, that can be to your advantage, but it isn't always to your advantage because sometimes I find this a lot with the iPhone when it switches into that macro mode. And it maximizes the depth of focus again, the depth of field again, it's too much. It actually adds distraction into my photograph. It removes the pleasing, creamy bokeh that I was getting from the lens it had. Basically, I think by default, it's the 1x lens. And then when it goes into macro mode, it's the 0.5x lens. And that 0.5x lens gives a much, much deeper depth of field and a much less smooth bokeh. I don't like using the word, but okay, I'll use it. So it actually may be fighting against you. So if and only if the flower is big enough that you can focus on it without the macro mode, then turn off the macro mode and you may find it has a better photograph. Now in the iPhone, you need to go into the settings to enable the button to disable macro mode. Sounds nuts, but your camera app has the settings if you go to the settings app, you'll find the camera app is in there. And one of the settings is you can enable a button, which will allow you to disable the macro mode. So when that happens, whenever the camera jumps into macro mode, the little tulip icon will appear in yellow to show I am engaged. I am in macro mode. Tap it and it will disengage macro mode. Tap it again, it will re-engage macro mode. So you can toggle over and back and then you can decide, is this a case where macro mode makes the photograph better or worse? And then do the appropriate thing. On a related note, my third piece of advice is when you can, try step 
pull back. I don't step back is too strong worded with the flower. Pull back and zoom in. So switch to that 3x optical lens. Pull the camera away from the flower a bit. Now this doesn't work on a windy day, but conditions allow. Pull back and zoom in, and you will get a much shallower depth of field. And you will generally with the 3x lens. What you're doing with the 3x lens is you're magnifying the background, which means that a small distraction gets stretched and smeared, becoming much less distracting because the fine detail is literally being stretched into that blur. That's why a higher zoom lens will give you a creamier background is because it is stretching that detail because it's zoomed in. It's more than a 1A. So if possible, try to see if if the 3X lens is workable, may not be in conditions, and if it's possible to catch focus because it won't focus in nearly as closely as the macro mode will on the normal lens. Uh, Next thing then is a processing technique, which you may consider cheating, but I actually use it quite a bit. Um, Now the iPhone's built-in camera app is what I edit my photographs in. And it's, it's basic, but effective. And one of the things it can't do that I wish it could is you can't change the center of a vignette. So if you apply a vignette in a Lightroom or something, you get to move the center point of the vignette. So you can have an image that's not square and put the vignette centered on your subject and have that subject not be in the center of your frame. You can't do that in the iPhone camera app. So if you apply a vignette, it will be centered on the middle of the image. So if you want to have an effective... So why a vignette is because darkening the background will help to hide distractions. And it has the bonus effect if you choose to put the subject smack dab in the center, which is what I think you need to do on the iPhone for the... If you don't put the subject in the center, the vignette will be in the center. And therefore, if the subject is off center, the vignette will look fake and silly because it won't line up with the subject. So if you take a square photograph with the iPhone and you put the flower smack dab in the middle of that square, and then you apply a vignette, you have a very natural effect. The background is made more subtle, distractions are reduced, and as a bonus extra, the flower gets extra pop, because it is not artificially darkened. Therefore, whatever colour is there appears brighter by, you know, by being next to a now darker background. So it can be very effective at pulling the eye away from any distractions in the background and putting it right on your subject. So I actually do that trick quite a bit. Square crop, perfectly centered subject with a vignette. And then my final piece of advice, the ultimate way to get rid of distractions is to get so close that the only thing in the shot is a part of the flower. There is basically little, if anything else, in the frame at all. Now, obviously you're getting abstract here but it can be really good fun to get that abstract so you know have a go um in the show notes which you'll find at lesstestalk.ie i'd have uh, i've included a couple of sort of embedded tweets with examples of some uh, flower photographs i've been taking so the first example i have is of a meadow buttercup again this is an example of using the center square crop vignette technique so 
spent a lot of effort trying to find a hero flower and I did eventually find one because these buttercups come in like oceans of yellow. Um, so I did eventually get one that was acceptable as a hero flower. I could quibble with myself and say that there's one other buttercup in the background, which is slightly distracting, adding some yellow into the background, but it's okay, it works. The edges of the petals are sharp enough that it doesn't get lost against the background. And again, if I didn't tell you the image was vignetted, you may not notice, but what you will notice is that the eye is pulled to the flower. And one of the reasons it is, is because actually on closer inspection, the four corners are noticeably dark. And that's because of the vignette. Uh, the other example I have is an example of me getting more abstract and having some fun. Um, so irises are one of those flowers that have a scale problem. So in reality, they sit on top of these giant, big, tall, pointy leaves and these giant, big flower heads. And there's usually on the same flower head, fresh, bu- fresh buds on the way and flowers in bloom. And to really get the essence of the whole plant is excruciatingly difficult. And I, every year I try to get interesting pictures of them because they always catch my eye. It's really hard to, focus, to, to photograph an iris well. But last summer, I decided to just give up on trying to catch her at all. And I just got in really, really, really close because one of the petals in an iris, I sort of think it was like, a, like an insect runway. And it's designed to pull the insect towards the center of the flower to do its thing and pollinate the thing. But it also pulls the eye towards the center of the flower. And so we're getting in really close. There's amazing textures and you're just pulled straight to the heart of the flower. So I had a lot of fun with that. And once I was in the mood for pointing my camera stupidly close at flowers, um, I decided to have a go with a beautiful tulip I planted in my garden. And I, what I love about the tulip is that it's sort of veined. It's a, it's an, a rich orangey, reddy yellow one with veins of color. Very pretty, almost like fire. And I had a lot of fun with raindrops on it one day, and then the next day it was perfectly dry. I was able to get right into the very, very, very heart of the of the tulip and catch those cool symmetries in there, sort of a three-way symmetry, which is kind of neat. So that sort of transitions us to the next topic of capturing something across multiple scales. And one way that that can work is with a trick I have evangelized many times before and will continue to evangelize because I continue to think it's a fantastic way to get powerful shots that are guaranteed to catch people's eye because it's not how we see the world, right? One of the ways to make your photograph catch people's eye is to give a point of view that isn't human eye view at human eye height. And if you can get high, get high. It's one of the reasons drone photography can be so fun is because you can get up to a height that isn't human height. And if you want to get a good photograph of kids or pets, get down low at the kid or pets level. And that works for flowers too. But another way to change the point of view is to use a wide angle lens and then to really mess with the scale Stick that wide-angle lens as close as you can get it to the flower. And so it demagnifies the surroundings and it magnifies flower-ish. Anyway, you have the effect of the flower being bigger than real life because it's right up to the lens and the background's still there, which means that you can show a flower in its context. 
So get close, shoot wide. And another way to deal with sense of scale. If you can't capture it in one photo, don't. Capture it in multiple photos and combine them into a single image using a collage. So one of the flowers that for years dogged me, I just found it so hard to get a good photograph of them, is the horse chestnut. Beautiful, beautiful Irish tree. And they have these candelabras of flower at this time of the year. Little sort of cones of blossom. But each cone is made up of lots of little small flowers and they're mostly white. And so at first glance, you think they're just these little candelabras of white. But when you get right in, when you really look close, those little bunches of white flowers all have a splash of colour at their heart. And it's not the same colour. So the one candelabra has a mixture of multiple colours in the little individual flowers that make it up. There's pinks, oranges, and yellows. And so to capture that subtlety, a collage is how I chose to do it this year. And for the first time, it actually worked. So I got one shot as sort of the, it's approximately squarish collage. So one full height shot on the left is of a candelabra, a complete candelabra from a horse chestnut tree. And then next to it are three vertically stacked white close images of a yellow, an orange, and a pink blossom. And so together you get the full effect. So, you know, if you can't capture your context in one, make it a collage and then post it as one image rather than one photograph. And then the final area is capturing context. So that close and wide trick and the collage trick work just as well to capture context as they do to capture scale. And again, scale and context can be related things. The other thing is that you can capture the context of a flower with a soft focus background. Background does not have to be in focus for it to give a sense of place. You will be amazed at how blurry the background can get and still give you the sense of place. So if you're trying to capture the beauty of a woodland path in a woodland that's full of of, um, wild garlic or bluebells or wood anemones or wood anemones, some sort of a flower that comes en masse, you can have an extremely blurry background and still get that feel of of a forest glade in spring. If you keep it all sharp then everything will distract from everything and nothing will feel like the photograph and it will it will be really like a snapshot of bluebells is shockingly disappointing. I think pretty much everyone who has a camera phone and it goes for a walk in the woods in spring will have a go. And 99.9% of those photographs will utterly disappoint the photographer. But honestly, you can get away with so much blur, which will help the flower again you need to find a hero flower keep the hero flower nicely in focus and you'll be astonished how much blur you can allow into the scene without losing your sense of place so a soft focus background can be extremely powerful and you can take that to the absolute extreme and just go with a pattern sometimes the only thing you need as the background to give a sense of scale is just repeating splotches of colour. Just, oh, 
there's blue going into the infinity or there's yellow going into infinity or whatever it is. Just like daubs of paint almost, like utterly abstract, but it can be enough. So really a patterned, blurred, utterly blurred background can still be enough to give you the sense of place if the sense you need is repetition. That can work with amazing little focus. So in the show notes again, you'll find some more examples. So one I took recently is there's a teeny weeny tiny little flower called a speedwell and they grow in lawns and one of the reasons they grow in lawns is because they're so short they're underneath the blades of the lawnmower so you can mow over them and the speedwell is like I don't care I'm way down here and they're this amazing electric blue but they're very difficult flower to photograph because they're tiny so even if you get in really close enough you don't get a sense of what they are which is like this peppering of blue in a lawn of green but again, in close and out wide. And so Carden House is a beautiful historic house near Manus. And they have, a one of their lawns has a pathway that's lower than the lawn, designed so that the Lord and Lady of the Manor wouldn't have to see the fact that their lawn, it's basically the infinity pool of lawns. So looking out of the house, the front lawn appears to, to just flow into the landscapers. In reality... There had to be something to stop the cows coming to the front lawn. And the answer is so-called haha, which is basically there's a wall there, like the edge of an infinity pool has a wall, uh, but it's dropping down. But of course, if I stand in the hall and I look towards the house, I can, without having to lie flat on my belly, I can be at grass level with my camera. So it was actually really easy to get the camera right down low and straight into those teeny tiny little speed wells and then have, because of the wide angle lens, the entire historical house as the background. And again, it's pretty out of focus, but it doesn't matter because it's more than enough to give a sense of place. And what it does is give a nice sense of depth. And so in the one photograph you have the context of these teeny tiny little electric blue flowers in the lawn, in the the lawn of this beautiful historic house. So it sort of fits all together in close, wide angle, close and wide. I love close and wide. And I, I couldn't not mention carpets of bluebells as an example. Um, now, unfortunately, you can't link to a single Twitter post if it's in a thread. Dear Elon, don't do that. But anyway, I tried my best to only link to the photograph I wanted to talk to you about. But no, it insists on linking to the thread, which has a ho-hum at best. Snapshot, really, if I'm honest. Photograph of some wild garlic as the first part of a thread, followed by the photograph I actually wanted to share, which is an example of some bluebells along a woodland path. And the woodland path is spectacularly out of focus, but it doesn't matter does the job. Now, this is also an example of carefully choosing a hero flower because bluebells are amazing and one of the things that's cool about them is that like black sheep in a herd of sheep there are occasionally bluebells that are not blue. There are like a 1% if even probably less than 1%. Sometimes they're pink, sometimes they're purple and sometimes they're white. So if you can find one of the not blue bluebells Make those your hero flower and then have the bluebell bluebells vanishing off into the background. You can make for an extremely compelling photograph. And that is the example in the show notes. But sort of to be more on point, um, 
I also have a photograph of a tiny little flower called a fairy foxglove. These are actually garden escapes. They're not really wildflowers, but they now grow wild across much of Ireland. But these teeny weeny little flowers can grow in the joints in masonry. They can grow in walls. They can grow in old walls with old cement. And one of the places they do that is in bridges and stuff across old canals and things like that. And so there's a lovely fairy fox growing at Pike Bridge along the Royal Canal. And there's a shot in the show notes of one teeny tiny fairy fox glove with an excruciatingly out of focus path. But it doesn't matter that it's excruciatingly out of focus because, again, you still get that sense of this is a teeny tiny little flower on a wall next to a path. It really does work. And then the last example I have, again, I can't link to a single photograph in a tweet that contains two photographs. Thank you, Elon. So the flower, the example in the show notes I want to draw attention to is the first of a pair of two, or the left, which is a flower head that is... These flowers grow in these carpets of flower. Uh, But they're a lot of tiny detail. So in order to get the sense of what they really are like. What I have is one in-focus seed head, or flower head, and completely, totally, and utterly out of focus in the background. It's just lots and lots of pink and white, pink and white, pink and white with a, across the green background. It's completely out of focus, but it is enough to give the feeling of, oh, okay, this flower head here with these pink and white flowers, that just vanishes off into the distance. And there is so, so little focus, and yet it still gives you a sense of of you know of the event which is the point I'm trying to make so if you live in the northern hemisphere nature is busy sprouting into beauty all around you you have your camera phone in your pocket almost all the time I hope I have inspired you to have a go at snapping a shot and hopefully some of this advice will help you take those shots from snapshots to compelling images that you know people will love, that you will love, which is the most important thing of all. But it's always nice to get a little bit of love on the old social media, isn't it? Anyway, I have been your host, Bart Bouchots. You will find the show notes I keep mentioning at letstalk.ie. You will also find, if you actually quite a lot of paragraphs of text this time. I I don't always write huge amounts of text for this photography show, but I I wrote quite a lot this time. do you find the notes that I was vaguely reading from would be far too strong a term, but I was vaguely keeping to um, for this discussion and all of the photographs that I have mentioned as we went through this. You will also see a section called support the show with giant big blue buttons. I want to say a giant big thank you to everyone who has ever or indeed does now support the show. It makes me so happy that my dream of having a listener-supported podcast unencumbered by advertisers or sponsors and all of the conflicts of interest they bring along. The fact that that dream is a reality because of you guys makes me very happy. So thank you to each and every one of you who have in any way helped to make that dream a reality. And in case you're sitting there feeling guilty, like, oh, I haven't ever given any money. It's not only about the money. and particularly in these difficult times, don't stress about not giving money. You know, the aim here is that the show will break even, just approximately breaking even. It's a little bit on the low side, but 
you know, bit in distance, it's fine. Um, but just tell people, post about it on social media, tell your friends. Spreading the word is a really good way to support the show because if 1% of every listener supports the show financially, then if we double the listenership, we double the financial contributions. So just spreading the word does actually raise the income. So you, you might think I'm not helping financially, but you are if you spread the word. So anyway, a long, long way of saying thank you very much to everyone who has ever supported the show in any way. Please consider supporting the show if you like what I do here. Everything's at less.talk.ie. Like I say, I've been your host, Bart Shots, And until next time, happy snapping. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, this is Dave Ginsberg. I'm the host of In Touch with iOS, a podcast that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and anything related to those technologies. Um, with my along with my co-host Warren Sklar, um, we get in depth with a lot of great things that relates to iOS and and its technologies. I'd love to give you to give it a listen. Uh, you can find us at intouchwithios.com, or we are in Apple Podcasts or any. Uh, podcatcher will be able to find us um, but uh, give us a listen we'd love to have you listening to uh, those great technologies and relating to ios thanks